Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast on Saints and Society. I am your host today, Rick, and I have our guest on board with us, Brad Leibolt. And today we're going to be talking about the podcast on this podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And if you're not familiar with it, it's a podcast that you can go and listen to, uh, one that's done by a guy named Mike Cosper. But more than just talking about that podcast and how Christians respond to that, we're talking about the local church and what the local church is and and and, and about the hurt uh, that has been even caused by the local church. And so I uh, hope that you'll tune in uh, and listen to today's podcast as we dive into this. You are listening to Saints in Society, a podcast focusing on equipping saints to live in and engage with their society. As we dive into the word and with help from experts in their field, we seek to learn how to engage culture in its terms, but not on them. We believe the gospel speaks to all of life and provides the answers we are all looking for. So we aim to equip saints with the tools necessary to apply the gospel to all areas of life, living as saints in society. Brad, we've we've known each other for uh, a few years now, mm-hmm. hunting partners. Mm-hmm. When you were in high school, mm-hmm. what CDs would I have found in your CD collection? Because I don't know this about you. Okay. Um, there would have been Josh Turner, the Long Black Train album, uh, some Tim McGraw, Alan Jackson, George Strait. So a lot of like classic good country okay um rodney adkins yeah there you go yeah rodney adkins and um uh yeah but then also uh so there was that side of thing the countryside but then also my family listened to a lot of like contemporary christian music okay and so some newsboys like back when they were australian yeah um uh Thousand Foot Crutch, mm. um, Casting Crowns, Mercy Me. So nothing against that stuff, but I'm more embarrassed to say that I listened to that than country George music. Strait. Yeah. Okay. Who, the king of country. So where I grew up, we had three radio stations. Country, pop, or, you know, like the, yeah, pop, I guess, and Christian. And all summer long, you're in the tractor for hours a day. And you have three options. And I was like a good little legalistic Christian kid. And so I wouldn't listen to the pop station because that one had bad words that would get bleeped out or whatever. And so Christian and country. And so, um, but then you're listening to music all day long and they start playing the same songs. And so you got to go back and forth between those two. But, yeah. And like country music isn't legalistic. Right. <laughs> they, they say the, they say the same exact things and like, pop songs they just say it with a southern twang yeah <laughs> and yeah. so it sounds more yeah more pure mm-hmm. <laughs> but what was in your collection cd yeah. collection or was it eight tracks back then yeah that's that's a good joke did you come up <laughs> you've you been preparing for that one <laughs> no that was spontaneous <laughs> yeah. i'm proud of it <laughs> so in my i would play this in my walkman okay <laughs> thank you i had one of those yeah Actually, my CD collection consisted primarily of two groups, two genres of music. So in, in my CD book, you would find George Strait, Garth Brooks, Clint Black, Clay Walker, mm-hmm. some of those. Right next to them was going to be Too Short, Too Pac, 
DMX, <laughs> Eminem, Chronic 2000, Dr. Dre, of course, and that. So I was like, yeah, just a confused, confused kid. And then I also secretly liked a lot of stuff that I listened to, but with my windows up. Like I really liked boy bands, but not with my other friends in the car. Right. I like Nickelback, though no one ever wants to admit that. And I liked a lot of that stuff too. So but everyone, yeah. everyone who says they don't like Nickelback is a liar. Everyone at one point in their life was like, I know Zach, who's recording this right now, probably legitimately doesn't like Nickelback. That's my guess. I'm speculating. He can weigh in on that later. Yeah. I think everyone has a soft spot in their heart for Nickelback. Can I tell you something hurtful that someone at the gym told me once? uh, Sure. (laughs) You know this person, so I'm not going to mention his name. Okay. But I walked in the gym and he said, hey, Rick, you're a lot like Nickelback. And I was like, what does that mean? He goes, uh... Every like outwardly, everyone says that they hate you and no one likes you, but inwardly, we kind of secretly do. And I was like, Oh, was thanks. That, is that a compliment or an insult? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or both? <laughs> I think both. Yeah, today, Brad, we're gonna dive in and talk through a podcast that has come out recently, but more specifically, you want to talk through how do we navigate some of the pain and hurt and everything that, that has come out of. Mm-hmm unhealthy churches, unhealthy leaders, unhealthy pastors, and, and all of that. So it, it's a lot of ground to cover, a lot of material to cover. But what led to us, in a sense, recording a podcast on this subject was the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. And the fact that though we are doing a podcast under Saints and Society, you and I are both pastors at an Acts 29 church. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do with this? Yeah. There's this... There's this organization called Acts 29. There's this uh, podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, which has exposed a tremendous amount of unhealth Mm -hmm. under this man named Mark Driscoll. So much so that even, I think some people even have a hard time talking about or even saying the name out of still a culture of fear. And so I just want to first openly admit that uh, our church that I was a part of in Reno was Acts 29, but mm-hmm. we are also Mars Hill Church for a while. Mm-hmm. And I want to admit that I haven't listened to all of it. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm turning to you, the expert that's, oh, I don't know about that. that's listened to all of it and would love to hear even where do we start with something like this? Yeah. Because people are listening to it. People are coming to, to us. People are asking questions. Mm-hmm. And so what do listen, because we're not just talking to pastors that that, that are listening. We're talking to people who have been hurt. And so what do our listeners do? What do we do? How should we listen to this? How should we approach this? How should pastors approach it? So all of that. Yeah, sure. Well, I would, so I'm going to back up and start with just talking about the church. Um, Because since the church's inception since Jesus rose from the grave and commissioned his apostles to go start churches, to plant churches, to gather people into these local assemblies where they were worshiping Jesus and, and sharing the gospel. The church has had issues. Um, is it Augustine who said the, the church is a whore, but she's my mother. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's, there's this, there's always been this tension throughout history, throughout church history where the, the church is the bride of Christ. The church is necessary, but the church has issues. Um, and so even even look at 
the churches that Paul was writing to in the New Testament, um, the church in Corinth. You read through 1 Corinthians and you have celebrity pastors that people are worshiping instead of Jesus. You have a, like just uh, egregious sexual sin that people are uh, not calling out and they're allowing to perpetuate and they're even kind of like celebrating it. You have the church deliberately excluding people from the table, from the Lord's Supper. So one of the first churches that was planted that Paul is writing to has a lot of the same issues that we see in churches today. They just take on a different flavor. And so you have these churches with issues. You also have passages that talk about what the church is. And so Ephesians 5, Paul is talking about marriage and he's relating the love of the husband to their wife as Christ's love for the church. And just listen to what he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. So Jesus loves the church as his bride and he through his death has cleansed her so that she is without spot and without wrinkle and without blemish, holy and blameless. That is true of the church. And yet <laughs> the church has issues and the church has always had issues and the church always will have issues. Uh, and so I think that's where Augustine's quote of the, the church is a whore, but she is my mother. There's this tension that we experience in the church where she's my mother. I, I, I love her. There's a, a, an affection for the church because of Jesus's love for it. Mm -hmm. And, but, and then there's that, the mix of that with, but also she's got problems, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's a lot of um, issues there. So, so that's, that's been an attention held throughout church history. Um, and then you enter into the age of the internet and podcasts and all of the sudden, these types of issues can just get way more attention than they maybe could have 100, 200, 300 years ago, you know, um, throughout, throughout church history. And so you have a podcast like the rise and fall of Mars Hill that tells a story that I think really needs to be told a story of narcissism and, uh, and pastoral abuse, spiritual abuse, and a story of a lot of hurt and pain, um, and, trauma even that people experienced being a part of that. Um, so it's a, it's a story that needs to be told. And I think in this particular podcast, it's told really well. I think the podcast is, you won't find a better like quality production wise podcast on something like this out there as far as like in the Christian and Christian podcasts. Um, but while that story is, while you're hearing that story told, we have to like weigh that tension between okay, yeah, the church has issues here. The church has the same issues it's always had. They just take on a new face. And yet, I love the church. Um, the church is the bride of Christ. And so you, you ask, where do we start with that? I think we have to start with, well, what is the church? And a reminder of that. Yeah, I like what you did because what you did is take something that's individually true for all of us. We have this tension. It's called saints in society. Mm -hmm. we, are, we are broken people. But that's not our core true nature. We are saints who struggle with sin. We are not mm -hmm. sinners struggling to become saints. Yeah. And so individually, we can admit that we know that we're supposed to live a life that displays the holiness of Christ, but that we fall short of that every day. And that Christ 
work on the cross is sufficient to atone, pay for, forgive all of that. And so we live in this tension Mm -hmm. of that we're simultaneously sinless before God, but we're also simultaneously living out a sinful nature as well. And then you bring a bunch of people together with that same identity and you have the local church. Yeah. Well, you bring up a really good point. It's easy to think of the church as an institution or a building or a name, a vision, a budget. It's this, this entity that exists apart from me. And that's not what the church is. The church is just a gathering of saints. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when we, when we accuse the church and we're not accusing this like institution that exists on its own, like it's, it's a group of people. It's a group of gathered yeah. saints. And now there's, there's institutional structures and organization that help the church function in some ways. But at the end of the day, what the church is, is a gathering of people. The word ecclesia church means gathering. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a group of individual saints that come together to make up the body of Christ. So, so I don't know this because I haven't asked you this. Okay. Why, why did you feel the need to start with defining first the local church? Is there something in the podcast that leads you to go, Hey, I think we need to start here. Um, yeah, I would say, well, I think anytime we talk about church in general, it's helpful to start with what even is it? Because we can start talking about things that aren't even the church. Like I just said, an institution versus a gathering of people. But I do say as far as the, this, bringing this up in the conversation about the podcast. Um, and, and I would say, I don't, I don't know if this is a critique of the podcast. Cause I don't think this is what the rise and fall of Mars Hill w- w- like set out to do, but th- I think there was a lack of comparing what we saw unfold at Mars Hill with Mark Driscoll to the ideal that a picture of church that's painted in scripture. So I don't know, and someone can fact check me and call me out if I'm wrong on this, but I, I don't think that scripture was ever opened in the podcast and, and, and like pointed out of like, okay, here's this bad example of church leadership and, 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 and elders and pastors and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Here's what scripture has to say about what church should be. And like this compare and contrast that I think would be helpful. And again, it's probably wasn't the intent of a story journalism podcast um, to compare this like theological thing, but as Christians who are consuming something about a theological thing, we have to start with our theology on what the church is. Yeah, that's good. So with that said, let me dive into some of this. Yeah. What are the things that you liked about the podcast that you found helpful? Mm-hmm. What are the things that you dislike or maybe disagreed with? Yeah. Uh, things I like, like I said, production value or quality is just, is like off the charts good. I think Mike Cosper does a really good job putting the episodes together, narrating the story, interviewing people, um, the it's captivating. I mean, these episodes are long. The last two are like two and a half hours and you can listen to that straight through because it's, it's done so well. Um, which I think is good. I think as sometimes this is like a whole nother podcast we could talk about. Sometimes Christians make bad art because we're weird. We should almost do a podcast about that. Um, uh, and I think this is an example of Christians doing like producing really good art, like with high, high production value and quality. And so I think that's really good. I also think it, it does a good job of naming sin and injustice, which is, I, th- I think, something we need to do. And so whatever is said on this podcast, don't ever hear me or us saying that the sin and injustice that was done at Mars Hill is justifiable or okay or anything like that. Because I think 
stories like this need to be told to increase to to increase a greater awareness of the abuses of power that can happen in the local church. And so um, uh, narcissism and narcissistic leadership is unfortunately very common in the local church. Um, in fact, I think the role of pastor for some reason draws narcissistic people to it. And so I think for the pastors listening to this podcast, it's a really good, and it has been for me a really good like temperature check of like, okay, like I'm not as dynamic and gifted as Mark Driscoll is. And so I'm never going to have a 15,000 person church, but does there, I could still have some of the same tendencies and like sin patterns in my own heart that are just not any uh, better per se. They just can't manifest themselves in the same way as him with his personality and everything. And so I think it's a good, like a mirror, like a reflection for pastors and church leaders to think, okay, are there things here that, that, um, we need to evaluate like self-evaluation. And then also for church members to, um, to be aware of the, the ways that church leadership can be abusive and, and to, to, to have those stories out there and to, to name sin and injustice, I think, I think is really, really good and beneficial. And I think, I think necessary because I think a lot of this stuff could per like it could continue in the dark but when you bring this stuff to light then um then it can there's hope that it can be stopped to some degree yeah. but um i would say though the flip side of that point is that it has the potential to make everyone all of a sudden very skeptical of their local church and their and their their local pastors um which i don't think would be a biblical approach to our view of the church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love believing all things or love trusting all things. Um, and so I've, I've heard a pastor say before that like the default position for Christians towards one another is trust, not skepticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if you listen to this story of Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll and your heart starts to grow skeptical towards your own church and your own church leaders, when there's probably not any evidence of that go that kind of stuff going on in your church uh then i think we're we're probably not using some discernment as we listen to that and allowing um yeah allowing that story to to start to shape and 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 taint our view of our own uh local church so now there's a balance here right because so many people were in on Mars Hill and thought things were fine <laughs> and then yep. they weren't. And so there, there's a line to walk here of being wise and discerning. And, and if there are injustices being done in your church, church and doing what you can to call those out, but then also not being like a, uh, like on a witch hunt, <laughs> like mm-hmm. trying to find, find the injustice and find the thing. And that's, that's another thing I would say. And I, I don't think this is a negative of the podcast, but a negative in a response to the podcast is we already live in a culture that loves drama and loves celebrity gossip and loves, you know, getting the dirt on people. And we almost like take pleasure in the failure of others. And we take pleasure in, in the, the juicy drama that like we get to see out there in the world. And when, I don't think that that belongs in the church, you know, I don't think that belongs in the heart of a Christian, though it's so tempting. And so listening to a story like the, like the Mars Hill story, if we're finding ourselves like, 
taking pleasure, finding pleasure in the the fall of this thing. If we, if we love the drama of it, if we love the kind of gossipy nature that it can be, then I think that that could potentially cause a problem. You know, if 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 you're waiting for the next episode of the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill to drop, like you're waiting for the next episode of The Bachelor, you know, mm-hmm. like there there's. I think there's a problem there. Yeah. You kind of touched on this a little bit, but how much, how much, I mean, we're doing a podcast right now. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So how much does even like podcasting and elevating men to a position of celebrity status? And because here's what I'll say, Mm -hmm. having not listened to the full podcast yet, all of them, I would say that Mark Driscoll is an incredibly, incredibly unhealthy human being who seems to have never dealt with his hurt, Mm -hmm. hurt people, hurt other people. Okay. Mm -hmm. What I would also say is that I don't think that everything that he said and threw out was garbage. Right. I think that what he was trying to do in a culture like Seattle with a lot of very apathetic men was trying to challenge them and, and, and you know, press them on issues to grow up and grow in maturity, mm-hmm. which is very unpopular in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And, but his tact, his approach, the way he did that is the problem. But I don't think that everything he was doing because he was pushing men in, in, in ways to love their wives and, and do stuff. So it's not like we can throw away everything he was trying right. to do. It's just the way and the manner that he went about it was awful. Right. Yeah. But what about culture in a sense, and even Christians like listening to so many podcasts yeah. and, and, and elevating, I mean, we're in a sense giving people a platform, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll pause there. Yeah. I see Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we, and like I already mentioned, this is nothing new. This was happening in Corinth. We, we start to worship celebrity pastors for, we make, when we start making people, the hero instead of Jesus, Mm -hmm. then when those people let us down and inevitably they will, um, then everything comes crashing down that we've built around them. And so, yeah, I think, I think, and, and Mark Driscoll, he utilized the internet and social media and video production to like get his name and his brand and, and his messages out there. Um, and so, yeah, we, we have at our fingertips the best preachers in the world. Uh, we have at our fingertips the, the, the best pastors, the best theologians that we can click a button and we're listening to the best there is out there. Um, and when we start to idolize these men, um, they're, going to, they're going to let us down. So uh, something that we do often, um, let me find it in my notes here. Um, is we'll, we'll start by idolizing people and then we humanize them. They get back to ground level and then we demonize them. Uh, we put people on a pedestal and think they are, they are God's gift to mankind or they're God themselves. And then they do something that we're like, I'm not sure about that. They actually are just human. And then we realize how broken and sinful they are. And then we make them less than human and it's, and we demonize them. Um, so we have to be careful as people to not put other men and women in positions that they don't belong in. Um, our hope is not ultimately bound up in the success of a pastor or a leader 
um, but ultimately in Jesus. And like Jesus is, 1 Peter 5 says, it's Christ who's the chief shepherd of the church. And if we start looking to other shepherds to, as our chief shepherd, they're going to let us down and it's going to cause a lot of harm. And I think podcasts, media, social media, the internet, just the, 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 the tech flooded world we live in makes that really easy uh, for us to do. And it, man, it, uh, it, it, it's tough for the local pastor who's like grinding it out every week, doing his best to write a sermon as best he can. And then your you know, church members here are like, well, that sermon didn't really feed me this week. I'm going to listen to Tim Keller or JD Greer on the way home because I know they're good. You know, like mm-hmm. that it causes this um, lack of trust and even lack of connection um, within local churches because for consumeristic mentality, we can have, exactly what we want tailored to our desires at our fingertips. It's Baskin Robbins. Yeah. Yeah. It's 32 flavors. Pick which yeah, one you want. I thought there know? was 31. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they do an odd number? Uh, so they could have come up with one more flavor. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out how many there were later. Okay. <laughs> This episode's local business spotlight, we're going to be looking at Sun Automotive, which is the mechanic that I go to when my car needs some love. Sun Auto started in 1977 with one store, but has now expanded to four stores in the Eugene area. They've been in the community for 45 years. They exist to serve their community, not only the customers they interact with on a daily basis, but also their employees. They really care about people and love to give back. The culture at Sun is to always have its ear to the ground with community involvement. During the recent Oregon fires, for example, they took the opportunity to help raise money for the communities affected. They are also launching a program this spring called Keys for Hope, which will give away a car to a family in need. Mechanics, unfortunately, are often given a bad rap for taking advantage of people, and Sun understands this. They're committed to doing the right thing every time, and they're dedicated to integrity within the industry. They keep their customers safe and on the road to enable them to live their lives. So go ahead and check out Sun Auto if you have any car troubles, and let them know that you heard about them on our podcast. So with that and with people having so much, you know, at their fingertips, Mm -hmm. there's a blessing to technology and there's a curse to it as well. What would you say though? And I guess kind of shifting or moving on, what would you say, or let me ask you differently. How do you know? Because I think this is the problem here is a lot of these people didn't even know that they were in such an unhealthy church. Yeah. Because if, if, if the current's going one way to go against the current makes you stand out, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and then you feel like, well, there's something wrong with me because everyone else seems good with what's going on here. How do you know if you're a part of an un- unhealthy church? And then what do you do? Um, or, or how do you, yeah, I, let me throw 31 questions oh, at you. Okay. Now, you yeah. Know? Please not 32. <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you do? When you are at a church like this, how do you recognize when you're at a church like this? And then I, well, I'll let you start there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd be curious your thoughts on this too, because I think you've had a little more church experience than me, but I'll say, I'll say two things and they're related. Is, is the church about Jesus? 
um, is, which is interesting. Cause do you want to know what Mars Hill's tagline and mission statement was? It's probably something about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Yeah. And, and so I would say beyond a mission statement, beyond a tagline, beyond a, a, a church name is the church about Jesus or is the church about Mark or Rick or Brad. And when, when you ask around, when people are talking about their church, are they talking about, about Jesus or are they talking about some gifted pastor or leader or awesome program that their church does? Um, do you leave Sunday morning thinking, oh, what a great sermon? Or do you leave thinking, what a great savior? Um, is the, is the focus it's on, good. on Christ? And, and I think, so here's, here's something else that I will say that I think is an indicator of if the focus is Jesus is leadership genuinely humble and honest about failure and brokenness and weakness. Is there a level of transparency among leadership in the church that doesn't like kind of fake pseudo own their mistakes and then justify it and then gaslight and make you make it seem like you're the person who actually has the fault, but is there genuine, honest, humble, like evaluation, self-evaluation among leadership? If, if, if there isn't it, it's probably because they're more worried about their own image than they are about the gospel. Yeah. The brand. Yeah. And, and, and I think, so Mars Hill is like a lights flashing example of a lack of accountability at the highest level to where there was no way to get rid of leader. Like there's no honest evaluation. And if you even like peeped some sort of criticism against, you know, then it was like, <laughs> that's not good. like you're done, you know? So, um, so yeah, I'd say is the church beyond a mission statement actually all about Jesus and you will see that reflected in the transparency and vulnerability of leadership which ultimately will trickle down into the culture of the church. Yeah, it's good. How can the church as a local body protect itself from yeah. some of these things? I, think, I, I mean, you are an executive pastor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have all the answers, but um, one thing I would say um, is a plurality of leadership. Um, I think, and, and this is tough in some churches that are in, like I grew up in a tiny, tiny town with a church that, could barely afford one pastor. Right. Um, but there was a team of elders and I think every church should have a team of elders, a plurality of elders that are sharing the, the leadership responsibility of the church and, and, um, and a team of elders that can and do correct one another and call one another out. And, you know, like there's, there's actual accountability that's happening there. And again, not a pseudo accountability, um, so I think a plurality of leadership, if there's, if the church is all about one guy, I mean, ask yourself this, if your lead pastor left, granted there would be, that'd be difficult. I'm not going to say that that's not true, but like, would the church continue? You know, <laughs> if your lead pastor left, would 75% of the church leave as well? Um, would the church crumble? Would it be devastation and heartache? Um, um, so I think, I think the other it, side of that would be. If your lead pastor left and they're celebrating, finally, yeah, that's a problem too. So, um, there's a, a, uh, a healthy morning somewhere in the middle there. Um, so plurality of leadership. I also think, uh, again, the church is people. It's a gathering of people. 
if you find yourself in a church where your voice is never heard or matters or valued, um, that's probably a red flag as well. And, and it doesn't mean that every single little complaint about the color of the carpet and the songs you sing and all that kind of stuff gets the same kind of weight, you know, but, but are those things heard? Are they listened to, you know, um, are that, is your voice valued or if you breathe any kind of critique against anything, if you're, if it's immediately snuffed out and then also, um, like, is there the freedom to say those kinds of things? Um, you know, people with Mars Hill and I've heard it in other churches throw out the like culture of fear. Like if you ask someone, Hey, have you ever considered telling your, the elder or talking to an elder about this? And if they were like, Oh no, no way would I ever, you know, like that's not going to go well. Like, okay, there's, there's a reason why, uh, your people are not comfortable having that conversation with leadership. That could be a problem. Yeah. So. Good. What would you say to the people listening right now that are still very skeptical and part of that is just tied to the hurt they've experienced inside of the local church? Yeah. First, I would say, I'm sorry. Like truly, it breaks my heart that the church breaks people's hearts. Um, so whatever you might be feeling is legitimate and valid and there uh, there's very real hurt and abuse and pain um that is done by and caused by churches and so the person who's skeptical because of church hurt in the past yeah i would say i'm sorry and that it it really sucks that that is a reality we have to deal with um i would go back i think to where we started and encourage you to remember what the church is that is the bride of christ and as imperfect as it may be it's it's still the bride of christ that he loves i would also say maybe we'll and maybe you would disagree with this but not all churches are the same you know like i think we get we get this kind of weird like and and there's there's good to this where i'm at a church i'm committed to that church and i'm not leaving that church there is value in that but there's also a lot of really great churches out there, you know, mm-hmm. like really good churches with awesome leaders who are humble, godly men who preach the gospel and, and love their people well. And so just because you had one bad and probably really bad experience at one church does not mean that all churches are necessarily that way. That's good. Can I turn it back on you? Cause you, you said earlier, no. Okay. Moving on. Um, you've said, you said that you come from, uh, uh, you have some church hurt in, in your past and your story. And so, and now you're a pastor of a church yeah. in the same network that was, you know, that brought that hurt about in the past. So what's that story been like for you? Yeah, man. So we moved here in 2015 to plant an Acts 29 church. And we moved here with a ton of bitterness, resentment, and hurt, which is not the place you want to be at when you plan a church. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's not where you want to start yeah. off. And so that's where we moved here. And a lot of that comes from the fact that we were at one time a Mars Hill church led. And if we want to use the word shepherding, though, I just don't even feel right saying that. Yeah. But, but we were led 
by, I'll just say that we were led by Mars Hill and by their culture. And we adopted a lot of that culture and a lot of that unhealth. Mm. Some godly men came in, older men to walk us through a lot of that, but there was just a lot of stuff there. And, and I don't know that I want to publicly address all of it on a podcast. And I think that might be some of where I'm unsettled is that I've been able to unpack this with, with some other people. And so that's where maybe I would agree with you that I don't know that always a podcast is the best place for that. Like, is that going to lend itself to healing? Um, is it going to lend itself to people dealing with the wounds that have happened? Cause that's what I want to see. Like I needed healing and other people need healing. And I don't know if stuff like this or a podcast just stirs up more resentment, mm. anger, and bitterness. I mean, they, they, they need a place to talk, a safe place. They need to be able to name it. But I just, for me, this was not the place to do that in the proximity yeah. of my spouse and close friends and, and whatnot um, through counselors. I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm still a part of Acts 29. And I've seen the network shift. I've seen the network grow in health. I know the other Oregon guys and know them pretty well and can speak to their hearts. I went to a, a retreat when I first moved here and I said, I told my wife, I'm like, I'm going to find out if these guys are legit. Like, do they actually have a heart to shepherd people? Or are they just a bunch of wannabe Mark Driscoll entrepreneurs, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I went there and I met guys that have a heart to be with the sheep hmm. that want to smell like sheep, that want to live with the sheep, that want to actually shepherd sheep. Yeah. And I was encouraged by that. And I want to be a part to even take a model from Martin Luther is that he tried to reform the church first, you know, yeah. uh, the Catholic church from the inside. So I don't want to go outside and lob stones. I want to love the family that I'm a part of so much that I can bring my voice to the table and say, guys, mm. there's some areas we got to grow. I think every church should have a willingness to do that. When, when, when people bring stuff up, be like, is there truth in this? Are, are there areas we can go? Probably. Is there areas that Acts 29 can grow? Absolutely. And I hope that our network is going to continue to grow more and more healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen that. And, and I want to be a part of that. And, and I want my, because I think about it from a father's perspective. Like, how would I define like a healthy church? Do the people feel safe with their pastors? Mm. Can you go to your pastor? Can you talk to your pastor? I want my, my children to grow up in churches where they feel safe. Yeah. And, and I want our people to feel safe always. Like I want people, don't you want people to know they can come talk to you. Yeah. And and if you disagree with the sermon or if there's something going on or why decisions were made in leadership, do you have safety to do that? Like, do you feel safe? And so, Mm. yeah, I'm thankful to see the way the network has shifted. It's under the new leadership of the president, Matt Chandler, but also the, our director is Brian Howard. And I think there's areas to grow a lot. And a lot of healing and health needs to happen, but, but I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, to be, to like love the church is to stay in it and reform it, mm-hmm. you know, if, um, it, rather than going outside and lobbing stones, like you said, because ultimately you, to be a Christian, you can't escape the church. Like, like, yeah, like it's, 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 uh, God's plan to reveal the mystery of the gospel to the nations is through the church. Yeah. Uh, so Ephesians three says, and so you can't escape the church. And so instead of the response to a bad church experience is not no church experience, but hopefully good church experience that you can be a part of. And, yeah. you know, I've heard, uh, I think Jonathan Lehman talks about the res- the response to bad authority is not no authority, but good authority. And yeah. so you have, that's good. You have, an example of really bad authority in Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill, the response then is not anti-authority. I'm going to go away from this, 
But no, we need good authority. And ultimately that good authority is Christ. It's Jesus yeah. that we submit to and we come to and we, we, we worship and we love. Um, yeah. So the, to, to, to reform rather than retreat, you know, and run away. And that was one of the, I, I was asked this multiple times by people. Why did you stay at your old church for so long? And that question almost offended me hmm. because I was like, because they're my family. Hmm. And do I agree with everything going on? No, heck no. But I want to stay and be a voice for the people in that church because it's my church and it's my family. And these are my brothers and sisters. And if they're hurting, I, as their shepherd, and one of the shepherds is not going to just leave. Right. I want to be a part of the process to fight for them, to fight alongside of them, mm -hmm. to love and encourage them. And, and so, but I, I'm not saying that it's wrong to leave a church. And I think there's a time yeah. and a place to do just that. Mm -hmm. But as, as much as I can until I guess my voice is no longer heard, I want to do that. It's yeah. also, I don't like a canceling culture. And <laughs> so I'm a Christian. And because the grace that's been bestowed to me, this infinite and measurable grace, I want to move toward people continually with grace, mm -hmm. which is really hard and really difficult. But I think the only way we're able to do that is to truly understand the amount of grace we've been given. And yeah. so like I can move toward someone when they've offended me, I can continue to love people when they've offended me. And I think a lot of what we're seeing and what's coming out of this podcast mm -hmm. and some things like that is like, I don't know that I feel grace or I, I, I see and hear and understand the gospel. Yeah, Like, I don't know, you've listened to it all. Like, do you hear the gospel? as the cure. Cause that's what we need to ask always. Right. What's the solution? Mm -hmm. What are they saying needs to happen? What is the solution? And we would say the gospel. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I haven't listened to it. So you'd have to yeah. speak to that. Yeah. I think, I think the podcast does a good job of, uh, of self-reflection and saying, okay, like we're talking about, about a guy and a church, but ultimately like we're a part of this as, as, um, as, people who allow people like this to get into leadership. I don't, I'm trying to think back. Um, and admittedly I'm like halfway through the last episode. So Mike Cosper, if you ever listen to this, I apologize if I misquote you, but <laughs> I, I think, I think the, the pointed to solution, if there even is one would be, you know, greater accountability and greater, greater, uh, like better leadership structures and that kind of thing. And so, I don't know as though explicitly what comes through is the answer is the gospel and grace and forgiveness. And I think in cases like this, it's, it, this is like always the pushback that comes up when you talk about forgiveness and grace, right? It's like, well, what about people who have hurt you really bad? And, you know, does forgiveness mean that we have to reconcile with them? Does forgiveness mean that we have to just completely forget about the ways that they've hurt, which we would say no, right? right. Um, uh, that forgiveness doesn't necessarily always lead to reconciliation or should it in some instances. And I think instances of abuse are, are, are some of those, you know? So, um, but yeah, I don't know as though, I think kind of the general public's response to the podcast as like a, a little bit of torches and pitchforks and <laughs> like give us more, you know, would indicate not necessarily a whole lot of like, Oh, where's grace and forgiveness and all of this. Yeah. Um, which if you are someone who has been hurt in this way by a spiritual leader, that's, it's tough to get there. Like we're yeah. not saying that you should just forget all that and forgive. Like there's work to be done in your heart and soul that um, is difficult to get to that place. Um, but it's not impossible. Yeah. From personal experience, I can yeah. tell you, it's really hard to be yeah. 
mistreated by someone that you looked up to yeah. as a spiritual leader. Yeah. So for sure, Brad, we're about out of time. So how would you wrap this up? Yeah, I would end with a quote actually from Charles Spurgeon and it'll kind of be a, we're kind of going back to where we began. He says this, the church is not perfect, but woe to the man who finds pleasure in pointing out her imperfections. Christ loved his church and let us do the same. I have no doubt that the Lord can see more fault in his church than I can. And I have equal confidence that he sees no fault at all because he covers her faults with his own love, that love, which covers a multitude of sins. And he removes all her defilement with that precious blood, which washes away all the transgressions of his people. So I would conclude with that tension we began with that uh, the church is not perfect, but the church is the bride of Christ. And like Spurgeon says, Christ can see more imperfections and faults and mistakes and sin in our churches than we ever will be able to see. And yet at the same time, he sees none of it because his blood covers that. And man, that's a difficult tension that we have to live in, but it's the one that we're, we get to walk in with help from the spirit and uh, with the truth of the gospel to continually come back to this place of I'm, I, I have been given grace and mercy and forgiveness that I do not deserve. And so how can I move to extend that to people uh, in the same way that Christ has extended that to me? And that the church is not excused from that same kind of grace. That's good. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this episode on Saints and Society. We're thankful for you to take the time to listen, but also if you have any ideas or requests uh, on podcasts that you would like to hear, we would love to hear from you. So feel free to write in, email us, contact us, because we would love to know what you guys would like to hear and provide the material for it. 